Good evening, everybody, and thank you for joining us. Uh, my name is John Dewitt. I'm the Assistant Manager of the Business, Science and Technology Department downstairs um, here at the Central Library, um, and I'm one of the staff members who's involved in bringing information about uh, the new healthcare law to uh, customers such as yourselves, and I'm grateful to you for coming and joining us this evening. Um, most importantly, we've been joined by Suzanne Schlappmann, who uh, is with us from Healthcare for All, um, and she's going to speak about uh, the law and give us some more information. There'll be the opportunity to um, ask you questions a little bit later, um, and hopefully we can share the information that you need and give you the information that you need to make some good decisions. So thanks for joining us, and uh, I'm going to turn the microphone over to Suzanne. Uh, first of all, let me give you a little bit of background about myself and the Healthcare for All Coalition. Can you raise your hand if you've heard of the Healthcare for All? No? Okay, good, some of us. So we are a nonprofit independent advocacy organization that's been around since 1999 with a mission to expand access to quality, affordable health insurance for all Marylanders. Uh, we were founded by uh, Baltimore City's former um, health officer, Dr. Peter Bielensen, with that mission. And the biggest step in that direction towards expanding access to quality, affordable health insurance for all Marylanders was, was the passage of the Patient Protection and Affordable Care Act by President Obama in 2010. So we've been working very closely with the state to implement this law uh, to make sure that consumers had a seat at the table, that it wasn't just the insurance providers or provide the doctors and everyone writing those regulations and how it would affect us. So we are coming at this uh, from a policy uh, standpoint, from an independent standpoint. Um, we work very closely with state officials, but we are not um, any part of the state or a part of any of the connector entities that are doing the actual enrollment and helping people do the enrollment uh, itself. So uh, my role at the office is the Deputy Director for Development and Community Outreach. I've been doing a lot of these presentations all across the state to let people know about what's actually in the law, what's not in the law, and really pointing people towards um, some reliable resources to learn more about how it's going to affect them individually because what gets more personal than your health, right? Everyone's going to have their own personal uh, take on how this is affecting them, and we want to make sure that you have all of the information, all the support you need to make informed decisions about that. So let me talk a little bit more about how I think um, we can work it tonight, and I'm flexible. This is a nice small group, so uh, please let me know what works best for you. Um, I usually, especially in smaller groups, like to start with some of those questions. Um, so could we go around and either, if you want to share your name or where you're from, uh, that's up to you, but then also sharing either something you know about the Affordable Care Act or a question you have about the Affordable Care Act. And anyone's welcome to start. Yeah. I'm interested in learning more about if a person is eligible for Medicaid expansion because it's 400% above the poverty level, so it's, it will increase drastically for many people to have this option. Uh, my question is, this, uh, when I saw on the webpage, something like six or seven or eight networks, because it's all managed care, and what happens when you need to make a decision? How, how in the world do you pick which is the best network? Sure. So but, questions about the Medicaid expansion. Um, yeah. We, how, okay. You know, you just go buy a, a flashy webpage. I mean, you know. <laughs> <laughs> sure, sure. Those are great questions. We're expecting about 100,000 Marylanders to enroll in the newly expanded Medicaid program. So that's a very pertinent uh, issue. We'll definitely talk about that. Thank you. Anybody else? 
I have a relative who's on disability, and I guess maybe he's, he gets Medicaid, he's get SSDI. Um, so, I, is he going to be part of this expand? I don't understand. So, questions thing. about people who are already enrolled in existing programs and how this huge change in health reform affects those existing programs. Right. Is that a question? And whether or not I, I mean, I came tonight because I wanted to know if um, I should be trying to get him some other kind of coverage in addition to Medicaid. I don't okay. understand any of this. Okay. <laughs> okay. Great. Yes. Um, two questions. They may be both rather basic, but one has to do with um, how you estimate your income for the 2014 year, like what what is included in income. Um, and the second thing I've been curious about is if any or all these plans, are they compatible with a um, health spending account? Okay. Fine. I, I'm 71, and I've just started Medicare. Is there anything particular that I need to be observing and this, that may uh, approach anyone on Medicare as far as this new health, health bill? A good short answer for you is that if you have Medicare, you can keep it. It doesn't change. The one piece that it does change is it help closes the um, prescription drug donut hole for Medicare recipients. But again, part of the politics of passing this law was that we didn't touch Medicare. <laughs> if you think back to, to 2010, um, this doesn't change anything about that. The open enrollment cycle for Medicare starts October 15th, and that continues the same as it always has. So if there's anyone here with that concern, you could even leave right now. <laughs> but yeah, that's a good question. We get that a lot. Um, and there's a, some other information in the back about avoiding uh, fraud um, because we know that th some of these uh, false actors are t targeting seniors uh, and their concerns over this. So that's a very important question, and thank you for raising it. Hi. Um, I guess I have two questions. First question is, um, how many jobs... Um, are going to come available or are available um, now that we have um, the ACA now in effect today um, for mail-enders and um, how much money um, is the, the, I guess, the principal insurance company who got the bid, how much money will be funneled into the state? Um, because I know Maryland, they decided in the beginning um, to take it on themselves without getting any federal funding at all, which was a great thing. But I heard some things that it's kind of shifted or changed around. Um, yeah, well, well, I'm definitely going to be talking about how we funded all of this. That's a great point. Any factoids that people want to show off their knowledge? Yeah? You can start enrolling today. You can start enrolling today. Yes, sir. I belong to Medicare, Part A and Part B. Are any of these new programs better than Medicare? Or, in the alternative, am I better keeping what I have now and not concerning myself with these new programs? Sure, that's a great question and also relates back to yours uh, as well. Uh, questions of comparative value. Yes. I was fortunate enough to have um, some help from an agency and getting all of this right. 
the gentleman in the show, especially, he, he sat there and we went through this and he got on the computer and he, okay, I didn't have the capability to do that. So basically, I'm supposed to have the optimum for my situation. I was waiting for the, um, what do you call it, Medicare card, because I said, now all my troubles will be over, right? I don't have to, okay. So I get the card, and I went around to the different providers, and I said, look, you know, do I have to pay for this, pay for that? And they said, no, Mr. Jones, you're good to go, this kind of thing, right? Now, I think what, what's coming up is some co-pays. They said, well, you got co-pays or whatever. But that was one of the things we examined um, in advance. There wasn't supposed to be any co-pays. But I'm going to sort through that starting tomorrow and see exactly what's going on. But another question I had was, like I think I heard some people here say they uh, relatives this that and the other. When I started with this, I started getting stuff through Social Security, social services, inundated with stuff in the mail. These big booklets are coming. I still haven't read them. Okay, and I've got the new edition for this year. Um, wasn't there some way that they could have made this simpler? Um, you know, I mean, That's it. yeah. Yeah, and so I just want to make sure that I'm understanding. Are you saying that you're enrolled in Medicare right now? That that someone helped you enroll in the Medicare program? Right. Okay. And I wouldn't have been able to do what he did. And when I was finished, I had an envelope, like, you know, thick envelope where he had the copies and everything, and everything was supposed to be done. And um, I just don't see how people can navigate that. On their own. Yeah, on their own. Yeah, yeah, that is... Even any kind of insurance on your own, right? <laughs> yeah. Yes. Um, my concerns tend to be for my turning adult children. Is this going to impact them? Is it true that when they turn 27 and we no longer insure them, that they'll be fined or they have to find an insurance? Will future employers supply insurance? Will it mean that you can't work part-time and go to school because, et cetera, et cetera? I think some of that is like legend that's building up around the change but I'm not sure which is fact and which is legend. Yeah, we'll definitely be addressing all, all of those related issues that you raised, so thank you for bringing that up. Is that everybody who wanted to throw something in for consideration? Yes? What I'm going to do now, I'm going to ask about a person who's 40 years old. Right now, he has no insurance. What would be a good idea for him to find out about what might be available and whether he might benefit from it? That is great. We will definitely talk about that. Yes? just want to also ask one more question. I'm sure a lot of people are going to, who are self-employed and who don't have insurance are going to want to join up. You know, the ACA get insurance under that program, but um, what are the requirements for a self-employed person as far as it is adjusted gross income? Is it um, something asset-based? I mean, it's just I'm not cl- clear. I mean, I, you can read the websites, but they're they're not exactly clear on what exactly constitutes the income that they're looking at. You know, mm-hmm. and you can't make the assumption that adjusted gross income is just you know if everybody else goes on that they're going to ACA is going to use the same uh, criteria. Great, 
Great. Well, those are wonderful questions, and thank you for, for sharing them. It's a great segue. I'm going to go ahead and talk about my, kind of my agenda for the, the rest of this presentation, and we'll definitely be addressing those throughout. Uh, so it helps me know what to focus in on and what to spend more time on. Um, the way that I like to structure these um, talks is to first set expectations. <laughs> I'm not here to help anyone enroll in any specific plan that's here for them. I haven't received that training, so it would be false for me to try to point you in the direction of the best plan for you. Um, but I do know a lot about the law, and I do know a lot about the resources that are available that are here to help you for free. They're unbiased, um, and that you can rely on them and trust them for good uh, good direction as far as how, what it, how it can help you, how it can help your 40-year-old friend who's uninsured, and everyone in between. Um, so I wanted to talk about what's in the law, what's not in the law, um, and point you in the uh, direction of some of those resources and talk about what Maryland has been doing to implement this law. Um, and to start off, I wanted to open with one of the best summaries of the Affordable Care Act that I found anywhere. It's available for free um, on the website of the Kaiser Family Foundation. It's in English and in Spanish, um, and it's just really entertaining. Usually when I do evaluations of my talks, this is always the top rated. So um, sit back and enjoy. Well, it's finally happening, after years of drama on Capitol Hill. A Supreme Court case, a presidential election, and a Mayan apocalypse that could have stopped it dead in its tracks but didn't. The marquee elements of the Affordable Care Act, sometimes called Obamacare, are about to kick in. And big changes are coming to health insurance in 2014. In the next few minutes, you'll get a pretty good lay of the land by once again watching your fellow Americans, the U-Tunes, find their way through the system. There are four main ways nearly all of us will experience health care once the health reform law goes fully into effect. About half of us will get insurance through our jobs, just like today. About a third will get covered by the government through Medicare and Medicaid. About one in ten will buy insurance themselves. And unfortunately, another 30 million of us or so, just under 1 in 10, still may not have coverage at all. But let's begin in the workplace. Many Americans are already covered by their employers, and for them, not a whole lot will change. There will be some new advantages, though, like caps on how much you have to pay out of pocket, and free preventative care. The bigger changes are coming for those who work for larger companies but aren't covered now. That's because the government is going to require companies with 50 or more employees to cover full-time workers or pay a penalty. So, more workers may find themselves covered. Smaller employers won't face the same penalties for refusing to buy insurance, but they'll be encouraged to do so. The government will be setting up special marketplaces to make it easier for small employers to take the plunge. Some will be offered temporary tax breaks if they do. And unlike now, insurers can't inflate prices if some employees are sick. So, many of us will be getting covered at work. A lot of us will be covered with help from the government, just like today. Not much will change for seniors on Medicare. The law has already started helping with prescription drugs and better preventative care, and that will continue. Medicaid, on the other hand, is expanding to cover more of us, especially poor adults, many of whom aren't eligible today. If your income is low, 
Medicaid will cover you, most likely in a private insurance plan. But there's a catch. The Supreme Court ruled that governors and legislatures of each state should decide whether or not to be part of expanding Medicaid. In states that get on board, the feds will cover almost all the cost. But for those who don't, you may be left with the same options you have today if you're poor. So you'll want to check out your state's decision if you think you might qualify for Medicaid. Even with employer coverage and the expansion of Medicaid, a lot of us will still be left out. For those not covered or who find their work coverage too expensive, a new way to buy insurance on our own will be popping up everywhere. They're called health insurance marketplaces, though they may have a fancier name than that in your state. The health insurance marketplace is like a virtual insurance mega mall. Here you'll find private insurers competing for your business, and you'll be able to pick out how much coverage you want and how much you want to pay for it from cheaper, high-deductible bronze plans to more expensive platinum plans. Still, all plans will cover a comprehensive set of services like hospital and doctor visits, maternity care, mental health care, and drugs. Most everything any of us need, at least when it comes to medical care. As with Medicaid, not all governors are on board to set up these marketplaces, but the feds will open their own in those states, and so you probably won't notice much of a difference. One big advantage of buying insurance through these new marketplaces is that the federal government will provide most people with a tax credit to make insurance more affordable if you don't have any other options and your income is below a certain level. In fact, most people buying on their own will be eligible for a tax credit and won't have to pay the whole premium themselves. And the marketplaces will make sure that insurance companies operate fairly under strict rules. They'll have to offer everyone insurance even if they're sick. And they won't be able to charge more for pre-existing conditions. Unlike today, men and women will pay the same price. And prices for older people will come down. While young people will pay more. To keep costs down for young people, though, they'll be able to stay on their parents' plans until 26 and buy low-budget catastrophic plans until they're 30. Of course, all these changes still don't mean insurance will come cheap. Most people buying their own coverage will end up paying less with the new health insurance tax credits. But some people will have to pay more, even though many of them will be getting better and more secure insurance. So let's be realistic. Not everyone's going to run out and buy insurance. Some might say, hold on a minute. If I can't be turned down or charged more, why not just wait until I get sick or injured to buy insurance at all? Well, first, you can only get coverage during special enrollment periods. So if you snooze, you may lose. And second, thanks to something called the individual mandate, if you're not insured, you pay a fine, making this option seem not nearly so clever. Still, if you really can't afford to buy in and can't get insurance anywhere else, the government will waive the penalty. So don't panic. By now, you've probably noticed a lot more people will be getting a lot more coverage. Where will the money to pay for that come from? Taxes. Many of them targeted at the health industry itself. Even tanning services. Yes, individuals will pay too. Mostly the wealthiest Americans who will be paying more into Medicare. Also, hospitals and insurance companies participating in Medicare will get paid somewhat less. Not painless, but somebody's got to pay. So, as Americans prepare for 2014, how will you be covered? How would you like to be? 
Now's the time to figure it out and get on the path to setting yourself up for the best insurance at the best price. After all, who wouldn't want that? Okay, great. What'd you guys think? Was it helpful? Some information? Yeah. Um, great. So I usually like to now talk about things that affect most people, and then we'll narrow it down uh, and, and be more specific as we go on. Um, but there are a lot of parts of the law that have already been in effect since it was passed in 2010. A big part of that they talked about at the very beginning of the video were the major consumer protections that we didn't have before uh, when with insurance company practices. Now, because of this law, any new plans that have been sold since the law went into effect in 2010 um, insurance companies can't uh, impose annual or lifetime limits on your coverage. They can't deny you coverage simply for your gender or for a pre-existing condition um, that's been in effect immediately for children since 2010, and that'll go into effect for adults January 1st of this coming year. Um, they can't uh, charge you a copay for anything that the CDC determines is a necessary preventive service. So they have their long list of necessary preventive services. You can make your appointment and go see your doctor and have that without having to pay any copay. Um, it's another way of making your insurance a much better value for you to encourage you to use it to stay healthy. Um, and there's another piece uh, that's kind of a little more complicated and lesser known, but there's a part that requires insurance companies to spend at least 80% of what you pay them in your monthly premium premium on your actual health care. If they spend more than 20% of what you're paying in your monthly premium on administrative costs, they owe you the difference in the form of a rebate. And the checks that went out in Maryland for families that uh, were affected by this, uh, the checks were between $200 and $300. So can you imagine getting a check from your insurance company from $200 or $300? Um, it, it got those folks' attention. Um, so it's an important piece to know about how they're trying to really drive costs uh, down to make it more affordable for people and making your insurance a much better value. Other pieces is that young adults can stay on their parents' health insurance till they turn 26. And this isn't as big of a change in Maryland. And does anyone know? why? We already had expanded dependent coverage up to age 25. You're right. And that was, um, and that was a state law. So there were some limitations on how many employers it could affect. So there may be some families that weren't able to be assisted by the state law, but, and they may think that this doesn't affect them either. But because this is a federal law, it applies to the, the, the self-insured, uh, large universities, state government, all that sort of stuff. So more people can benefit from the young adult dependent coverage extension. The other piece uh, that it very briefly talks about in there is tax credits for small businesses. Small businesses can get tax credits for providing health insurance to their employees. Um, that's been available since 2010, we, and we expect about 66,000 Maryland small businesses probably qualify for this. So um, there are three criteria that you have to meet in order to uh, be a small business that can claim these tax credits. You have to have 25 or fewer full-time equivalent employees an average wage of $50,000 a year or less, excluding the owner's salary, and you have to contribute at least 50% towards the employee's health care costs. 
And if you meet those three criteria, uh, you can claim the tax credit since 2010. You can claim them retroactively. So you can claim 2010, 2011, 2012, 2013s. And uh, for uh, a for-profit business, that tax credit's up to 35% of the business's health care costs between 2010 and 2013, and it goes up to 50% of the business's health care costs in uh, 20, uh, this 2014 uh, for businesses that are purchasing health insurance through the Maryland Shop Exchange, which we'll talk about. Um, was there a quick question? About that, yeah. I'm just allowed for 250 fewer. 25 or fewer full-time equi- full-time equivalent employees. So, just as an example, you could have like 50 part-time employees that would total 25 full-time equivalent employees. Um, for the purposes of the Affordable Care Act, it's calculated at 30 hours a week. Um, and the uh, average wage being $50,000 a year or less, excluding the owner's salary, and uh, contributing at least 50% towards the employee's health care. We have a special website dedicated to this that has a small business tax credit calculator called smallbusinesstaxcredits.com or .org. I really encourage you. We all have friends who work at small businesses. Um, please let them know. Uh, it's been really hard to track to see how many of these Maryland businesses are tapping into this valuable resource. Um, the other n- nice point is nonprofits can take advantage of it, too. Um, it has been a bit of su- affected by the sequester, so it's a lesser amount than what the, the for-profit businesses can get. Uh, but it's still there, and it's um, money that they should know that they're entitled to, uh, especially for doing the right thing and providing health insurance to their employees. Um, the other piece is that um, it created a high-risk pool, um, something also that we already had in Maryland called the Maryland Health Insurance Plan. This federal reform helped bring in additional money to help make more people eligible uh, for the guaranteed issue plan, people who had been denied coverage from ins- insurers because of a pre-existing condition uh, until the adult provision kicked in, uh, kicks in in January 1st, 2014. So um, that's really great. And those are the big pieces that affect, you know, that have been in place since 2010 that a lot of people kind of don't know about. It kind of flies under the radar. Now, we were talking about the big stuff that happens today, right? Um, Some of the changes that are going to be happening, uh, we expect about 300,000 Marylanders to gain health insurance coverage uh, under. A big part of that is the Medicaid expansion. Anyone earning up to 138% of the federal poverty level can qualify for free health insurance, regardless of whether they're pregnant, a man, a child, or anyone uh, can qualify for free health insurance under the Medicaid program. And there are resources in the back uh, with an income chart that shows you what this means in real dollar terms. Um, For a family of one, an individual, it'd be $15,856 a year or less for free health insurance. Uh, Just for looking at for what, like a family of four, if a family of four is earning $32,000 a year, uh, $32,499 a year, they'd qualify for free health insurance for everyone in the family, period. Um, That same family of four, uh, and so that's the Medicaid expansion. Anyone who um, is currently eligible for the primary adult care program, who knows about the PAC program or primary adult care? Great. Everyone who's enrolled in that program today uh, will be automatically enrolled in the Medicaid expansion starting January 1st. So if you know anybody, they can go ahead and start scheduling their appointments with their specialists. And uh, starting January 1st, they'll be able to see the full range of benefits under the Medicaid program, which is much more generous than the PAC benefits. So the state's trying to do a lot of outreach and promotion of that program for folks who are eligible for that right now to make it easier for them to get in and get benefits and get their appointments taken care of, but also to 
to help the state process all these applications, right? So that they're uh, kind of taking care of this in advance. So I, I enlist your support in helping us promote that program as well. Yes. You said, okay, I see on here with the, the PAC program and I'm enrolled it's going to be um, uh, discontinued on the, uh, on our, well, in December. So I'm already automatically enrolled? You'll be automatically enrolled in the Medicaid program. You won't have to fill out any additional applications. It'll be uh, on the year of when you would need to renew your PAC application that you would need to renew your Medicaid. So I keep the same doctor? You can keep the same doctor, correct. Okay. You, you could also make a change if you wanted to make a change. Uh, it is an opportunity to choose a different managed care organization if you so choose. But if you want to keep it, then you can keep it as is. And you should be getting some notification about that um, in the mail. So keep an eye out for that uh, for anyone else you know who may have similar questions. Uh, but that's a great one. Uh, the other piece is that anyone between 100 and 400 percent of the federal poverty level may qualify for tax credits to purchase health insurance in what we're calling our exchange, uh, the happy health insurance shop up here. What we're calling our exchange in Maryland is the Maryland Health Connection, and that's what you see uh, as these logos on all the materials in the back. Um, there's more information uh, before I transition uh, about how this plan will affect those who are currently enrolled in the Medicaid program with this handout that the Maryland Health Connection has put together called the Maryland Medicaid Changes Under the ACA. ACA stands for Affordable Care Act. Um, and if anyone has questions about how that will affect them or the PAC program, um, oh, there's a lot more details uh, on this uh, information sheet, and I encourage you to check that out. Um, so then talking about the Maryland Health Connection and some of the options that are available, the Maryland Insurance Commissioner uh, just approved 45 plans um, from six different carriers to be sold in the Maryland Health Connection. Some of the rates that they approved are among the lowest in the country. We're really excited about that. They're very comprehensive benefits. Um, the the it talks a little bit about the essential health benefits uh, that had to be covered in the video. Um, the plan that we chose in Maryland was the most popular uh, small group plan um, that has all of the mandated benefits. Maryland has a lot of mandated benefits, and it, this would include that as well. Um, so that's the baseline. It does go up from there uh, as far as having a really strong baseline. We're in a very good position. Um, the tax credits are based on a sliding scale as a part of your income, and this income eligibility chart also addresses that. Uh, that same family of four we were just talking about could earn anywhere between $32,500 a year and $94,200 a year and qualify for tax credits to help provide health insurance to their families if they don't have an offer of insurance from their employer. Um, so uh, that's a very important option. You know, when we're talking about Getting into some of these details, it's good to take a step back and think about the purpose of this law is to really help people who don't have affordable options right now. If you have an offer from your employer, you can definitely shop for health insurance in the exchange, but you wouldn't necessarily get those tax, you wouldn't necessarily qualify for tax credits to help purchase the plans in the exchange unless your employer's offer is deemed unaffordable and they determine unaffordable as more than 9.5% of your total household income. So I'm sorry, is there a question? Um, really quick one. Yeah. What happens if you were to lose your job and not during the enrollment time? Um, 
What's that process for that? That's considered um, a special enrollment opportunity. I forget exactly what the phrase is, um, but just like with a birth or a death in the family or a loss of coverage, that's considered a qualifying event where you can uh, enroll whether it's part of the major open enrollment cycle or not. So absolutely, this is definitely considered to be that kind of safety net for folks who are finding themselves in that position. But So thank you for raising that. Um, this this chart this handout about the Maryland Health Connection also has more information about how you can shop and compare your options. Uh, one of the things that people were giving feedback uh, as they were crafting this law was that it's so confusing to shop for insurance. We really need something that helps us compare apples to apples. What am I getting for this amount of money at this insurance company? What am I getting for this amount of money at this insurance company? What's the best for my health and my bottom line? And we took a lot of cues from how Massachusetts simplified things um, with their um, Commonwealth Connector. If you want to shop around, you can even take a look on that. You answer like five questions about yourself, and it gives you some options. And even in Maryland, uh, it's unique. You can even look at your doc, look, search for your doctor and see which plans your doctor participates in. Um, so that's a really nice piece because that's when it boils right down to it, that's what you really care about too when you're shopping for your insurance. Um, so we're excited that the Maryland Health Connection has that capacity as well. Um, and uh, the, the assistance that is available is available for free uh, through the Maryland Health Connection. Uh, they've contracted with six different regions. Um, the one for Baltimore City, Baltimore County, and Anne Arundel County is Healthcare Access Maryland. And this is their information sheet. They have a many, many local partners who may be even more local to you than Healthcare Access Maryland that you can reach out to. Um, but definitely know that they're a resource. They have a web, uh, not a, they do have a website, but they also have a hotline um, that there's information for in the back uh, that you can access uh, many hours a day. Uh, they they opened up officially today as a part of the open enrollment. They've already had 30 people apply, more than 30 people apply uh, since last time I checked in with them. And um, we're really excited about how they're, they're uh, well underway and um, helping people connect to the new resources that are available. Um, it's important to know that these guys are the ones you want to talk to as far as avoiding fraud that we were talking about. Um, they will show you their badge. They will have uh, information with these same logos that I'm showing to you right now, the Maryland Health Connection, Healthcare Access Maryland, and even their local uh, connector entity. Keep an eye out for that as they're helping you and pointing you in the right direction. Yes? And while we're, while we're discussing that, um, there'll be somebody here from Healthcare Access Maryland on Fridays from 11 to 2 and on Tuesdays from 10 to 6, but not tomorrow. So beginning Friday, 11 to 2, and then Tuesdays the fo from the following Tuesday from 10 to 6, just downstairs in Central Hall. Yeah, and that's great. And, and a lot of local libraries are uh, partnering with their connector entities, too. If you have friends who are outside of necessarily this region, uh, they should still they can still talk with Healthcare Access Maryland, but it would be most appropriate for them to reach out to their local um, connector entity to, for that kind of support. Um, you can enroll on your own, online, over the phone, or uh, with the assistance of one of the navigators or assisters employed by the connector entity. It's up to you, what, whatever your, best fits your style and uh, your availability. Um, it is important to now talk about some of the responsibilities under this law. It does require that small businesses with 50 or fewer full-time equivalent employees provide affordable health insurance to their employees or pay a penalty. As you saw in the video, that's been delayed until 2015. Uh, 
the shop exchange that has um, options to help employers provide affordable options to their uh, employees will be launching. Uh, there's a special handout about this, and the tax credits are continuing. So it, the, the supports are still there for small businesses, even though the, the requirement doesn't take effect until 2015. Uh, the other piece is the individual mandate, which again was upheld by the Supreme Court, saying it was a feasible option between either buying your health insurance or paying a nominal fee uh, as a part, and it's assessed through your taxes. Um, that's going to be gradually phased in um, and... Again, if you don't have an affordable option available to you, if you have a religious reason why you wouldn't be purchasing health insurance, you can get exemptions uh, from that mandate. So it's important, to, again, even if you think that none of these options are uh, in your budget, to at least talk with someone at Healthcare Access Maryland or a navigator to make sure that you're in the clear, that you fully understand your options, um, and that you're, you're able to make an informed decision about that. That's simply all I would I would encourage anyone kind of weighing those um, costs and benefits to think about. Um, so let's talk a little bit more about what Maryland has done to implement this law. We've already started talking about the, the connector entities and everything, but as soon as this law was uh, passed by the uh, president, Governor Martin O'Malley signed an executive order that got us moving to implement this. So we've been working on this since 2010, uh, very early 2010, and we've leveraged over $200 million in federal grants throughout that process to implement it, to create our Maryland Health Connection. Um, because of the time that we've been allowed to go through this process, it's been very public, very transparent, and very engaging, whereas other states have had to just whip this up uh, since they were waiting for the Supreme Court decision to do anything to implement it. I can't imagine how they would have uh, that had to be really, really challenging for a lot of those states. Uh, when all is said and done, we expect that this law will reduce the number of uninsured Marylanders by 300,000, uh, which is great. Uh, it reduces the number of uninsured Marylanders by 50%. So you may still be talking with folks who are in the remaining 300,000 Marylanders who uh, still won't have an affordable health insurance option and will still be uninsured. This isn't necessarily a fix-all for everybody, uh, but this is a huge step in the right direction. Um, and as an advocacy organization, it's something that we are keeping an eye on to understand who is still remaining uninsured and how the state of Maryland can go beyond this and do a lot to make sure that we close that persisting coverage gap and make health insurance within the reach of everybody. Um, so, uh, one of the other unique things about Maryland's system is uh, the, the connector entity program. Uh, because of the way that we've designed the regions uh, and how they have created subgrants for local partners and things like that, it's a very collaborative, very supportive rather than competitive program. Um, so we're very excited um, with how uh, it, it's, it's rolling out. The, the website, the MarylandHealthConnection.gov website, um, had a little bit of connection difficulties today. So if, did anyone try to get on? Not yet, not yet. That's okay, that's great, because, you know, as you saw in the video, the open enrollment cycle goes from today to March 31st, uh, 2014. So this is going to be a big enrollment uh, cycle. It's six months. Next year, it's only going to be three months, unless you have a qualifying event, in which case you can enroll anytime with those qualifying events. Um, so we encourage anyone who wants those benefits to take effect January 1st, 2014, to definitely get enrolled by December 18th. And to have that all, um, to have your first premium paid and everything uh, for anyone who's really trying to count the days, that's the day to be shooting for is December 18th uh, of this year. There are a lot of resources besides having the navigator and assister here at the library. Um, you can check out Healthcare Access, what Maryland's 
uh, hotline, their website, the MarylandHealthCareConnection.gov website, which is a statewide line. Healthcare.gov is the federal uh, website that the HHS runs. It's a great resource as far as helping you understand some of these new health insurance terms if you've never had health insurance before or if it's a new program that you're not as familiar with because it's a, something that a family member takes care of or, or things like that. There's a basic element of health literacy that no one can just give or do for you. <laughs> you kind of have to do your time and do some research on that. Healthcare for, healthcare.gov has a really great starting point for people uh, at that point. But know when you're looking at healthcare.gov that it is a national website. It's not Maryland-specific. If you want Maryland-specific information or locality-specific information, go ahead and set up that appointment with uh, Healthcare Access Maryland. Consumer Reports also has some really great publications about uh, the comparative value, uh, the tax subsidies, the tax credits that we were talking about and weighing those options. Um, I really like how they put a lot of that together. And again, the Kaiser Family Foundation website at kff.org um, has these videos in English and in Spanish. And as we, you saw as we were watching the video, it had these little widgets popping up saying, did your state expand Medicaid? Click here. We can help you understand. Did your state... Um, is your state doing the tax credits? Here's how you can calculate those tax credits, things like that. So they do try to tailor it. Definitely take advantage of those those resources as you're going through. Um, as far as the questions at the beginning about how are we calculating income, uh, it's the income eligibility is based on modified adjusted gross income, which is a new formula, and I haven't been trained on helping every single person parse out those different pieces. It's something that a navigator and a sister or anyone at the hotline uh, call center should be able to help you with. The nice thing about it is that it's consistent across the states. So if you're moving from Maryland to D.C. to Virginia, it'll be the same. Um, and, and how they calculate it. Sometimes that's been a barrier for some folks. This is a great option for the self-employed, um, and the navigators and assisters are trained to help people figuring that out, particularly as it relates to income calculation, because that is so uh, kind of tricky uh, with self-employed individuals. So definitely uh, reach out to them as a resource for that. Um, the nice thing about the uh, existing programs uh, with folks who are enrolled in SSDI or Medicaid currently, um, most of them probably won't see any change. If anything, in Maryland, we've updated, uh, they're in the process of updating the provider networks, which means uh, like that big packet that you got that you were talking about of all the doctors who say they take this plan or that plan. Um, and it, it can get outdated pretty quickly or easily. Um, with this, there's been an impetus to update that. So folks may have a better time finding specialists that they're looking for or anything like that. Um, so we're really, uh, that's, uh, that's been uh, a really great sort of unintended outcome of some of the efforts that the state's been putting forward to make sure that we are fully ready to fully implement this health reform law and to make sure that we're maximizing the, the coverage gains that we can get under it. Um, but when, uh, with, with the Maryland Health Connection, we're expecting about 150,000 Marylanders to enroll in coverage through that. Um, so that's another really uh, important resource to be pointing people to. Um, Healthcare for All did a, a poll with the Horizon. I'm sorry, I should answer your question. <laughs> insurance? 
Yeah, so uh, that is consistent across the states as well. Um, and it's being very gradually phased in. And that's something that a navigator and a sister can, can help you as far as doing the cost-benefit analysis. Yes? Is IRS, will they be ready to uh, get on board with this? Are they to making their plans now? Yeah, so... Um, I have another question related. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. The, the tax credits are a little unique. They're called advanced premium tax credits. And the way that they work is they, they calculate the value of your unique tax credit when you're applying for health insurance coverage, and then they credit that amount directly towards your insurance company. Uh, and you can have that done uh, so that it lowers your monthly payment each month, or you could have it done in one lump sum at the end of the year. Um, it's... And again, I would definitely encourage anyone wanting more information about this to check out the Consumer Reports uh, resources on it. Um, the IRS da Data Hub is connected in the back end with the same IT that the state exchanges and that the federal exchange are doing. So they, in order to be up and ready October 1st, they had to have that information. So it, it should be uh, no problem by April. <laughs> you know what I mean? Okay. Yeah, yeah, so we're uh, confident of that. On the same Maryland. subject, is any of this going to be relevant to state tax returns and state credits? And if so, is the state going to try to be on top of this? Well, it is the state IT system that's interfacing with the IRS data hub. So um, it, it's all federal money that's supporting the advanced premium tax credits. It's not state money. Um, but the, the, the systems are working well together so far. And again, this is just day one. So, <laughs> but, but, you know, because of how wonderful the process has been so far in Maryland, because we've been able to bring diverse actors to the table to make these decisions, un unfortunately, it's been challenging, more challenging in other states and, and in the federal government. But in Maryland, it's been a very uh, fruitful, productive discussion um, around this entire implementation process. Again, I just I want to hear about um, how many jobs for Melanders regarding the, the navigators and the connectors, and you know. Yeah. Um, be, uh, sure. That's a great question. Uh, the the jobs are mostly all taking um, have already been filled in order to be prepared for today. Um, for more information about openings, uh, a really good website to check out is MarylandHBE.com. It's kind of like the policy wonk side of Maryland Health Connection. It stands for MarylandHealthBenefitExchange.com. Maryland spelled out H-B-E.com. And um, they have uh, any remaining openings uh, posted on there. Uh, you could also check with uh, on that same website. It talks about their outreach program or the connector program. And it talks about each of the six regional connector entities. And some of them have posted positions on there as well. Um, along with uh, each press release when they officially announced the connector entities, it talked about how many jobs each one was going to be uh, creating to help support their outreach and enrollment effort. So that can also give you an idea of where uh, any potential openings may still be. Uh, they are continuing training uh, for navigators and assisters even after the open enrollment cycle started today um, because there have been so many people to train. So there may still be openings uh, and, and stuff like that. But I know for the most part, most of them have already been taken, uh, 
just just in preparation for this outreach and enrollment to be today. Um, but the other nice the impact of health reform, right, is that you have uh, 100,000 Marylanders who maybe had previously been completely now eligible for the Medicaid program, maybe going to see providers who have been treating them for free. And so that's creating more money and capacity for more providers to locate in medically underserved areas uh, and, and anywhere across the state. Since we've been taking advantage of this uh, this funding from the federal government, we're, we're in a really good position because healthcare is an important part of our economy. Yes. How much are pharmaceutical companies expected to make Because I noticed in my right on Charles that Oh, do you mean Chase Brexton Health Services? Yeah, yeah. So uh, that's uh, a health clinic. Um, yeah, definitely check out Chase Brexton. It's a great new. Uh, Great new building for a very well-established uh, healthcare provider in the city. Um, I don't know any details or statistics about the n- amount of dollars <laughs> um, this is expected to generate for insurance companies or uh, pharmaceuticals, but hbe.com might be a good place to look for that. Also, the Hilltop Institute did a, a report, I think it was 2011, about the financial impact of implementing health reform in Maryland. That could be a really good resource if you um, search for Hilltop Institute, um, Maryland Affordable Care Act. It might just come right up. Also, I have uh, business cards in the back. Um, I, I have it saved on my computer, and I can send it to you if you shoot me an email. Anybody is welcome to take a business card. Yes. Okay, so I was wondering, like, uh, when I was working in uh, government, uh, I was with Blue Cross and Blue Shield. Oh, Care First. Will they uh, still be? Uh, how will that work? Yeah, so Care First, Blue Cross, Blue Shield is one of the providers in the Maryland Health Connection. Mm-hmm. And if, if the other point is... Uh, this just creates an, an additional option. This doesn't change the existing insurance market, right? You can get health insurance in the existing market just fine. It just creates another market for you to potentially have tax subsidies in order to access plans in this uh, exchange or the free health insurance uh, through the government. Does that answer your question? Okay, great. Um, I have two real technical questions. I don't know if you'll be able to answer them. One is that um, with the benefits, do you know if, um, allergy shots, which is a, a form of preventive medicine. I, I didn't see it on the list, but it's uh, for people who suffer from severe allergies. Um, and so they give shots on a, a weekly basis based on what you're allergic to. And it's usually very expensive, uh, but it very works very well. It's been around for many years. I don't know if you, I haven't heard anything about this in the, in the literature anywhere. And the other question is, if you have a doctor already, let's say you have a specialist... Uh, that's been seeing you for free, and then you you switch to, um, you know, Medicare or or something of that nature. Obviously, one of the it's a, it's a, it's a managed care program, and the doctor said, "Well, I'll take Medicare," but he's not inside the, the network. What do you do about that? I mean, just you know, it's like I don't know. It's just like this doesn't make any sense. If if it's in a network, then you have to be in the network, right? It's just you're, you've got no choice. I mean, that's what I was assuming. So I just want to know if you could clarify all that. Thank you. Yeah, sure. We encourage everyone to talk with their doctors before making any, any change in their insurance, just as you would do even today. This doesn't change that. Um, 
the the navigators and assisters will have access to limited information about those provider networks as far as being able to search by the doctor's name to verify from the insurance side of things whether or not they're a part of that official network. Um, so you, if you have the conversation with the doc and with the insurance, uh, chances are, and if they match, that it, it's consistent. So that's one piece. As far as the allergy shots being a qualified uh, preventive service, I don't know if that's on the CDC's list, um, but that might be worth checking out. Um, and it could be available for $0 copay if it's on that list. And again, I can send that direct link um, to you if you take my business card and uh, send me a reminder. I'd be happy to do that. Yes? I was curious about the HSA Sure. So uh, health savings accounts are kind of like these existing programs. And as far as how they interact, um, there should be you, you can't they should be able to coexist um, and there shouldn't be any impact on the health savings account. Um, but that would be something to have a conversation with your navigator and assister about. So it could vary from option to option. No, words to uh, well, I'm not sure I'm totally understanding option to option. Depending on, so you, when you go on, you have a variety of options that you have uh, different plans? Uh, when you go onto the Maryland Health Connection, yeah. you have a range of options, okay. and um, any of them should be able to coexist with a health savings account if you have it. Um, but again, that would be something to just verify with a navigator and sister who's had more training than I have. <laughs> but, but it should be able to coexist. Should one not be able to figure this out on... On their own by going on to the website? And, and that's, that's also probably good, too. I, I don't know where on the website to point you for that specific information. Um, but And you could also call the hotline. They're great. They're great. They, I, I highly, highly recommend them, especially in the Baltimore area, where we've had a lot of uh, experience working with them. And uh, they're a pleasure, and they really know what they're talking about. So I just wanted to ask John some questions about the navigators. So you told us they're here Tuesdays and Fridays. Um, it's just like a drop-in? Stand in line? Well, if, if the demand is such that there's a line, then I think we'll, we'll begin to schedule it and have appointments. Okay. And it's not going to be any place but here at Central, correct? Now, yeah. Okay. Central, and if, if, the, if they have the manpower, then they're willing to so if the, you think if the demand is becomes really great then they would increase their hours go other locations okay yeah okay yeah you can call and make an appointment with a navigator even today um, for okay. anywhere um, and that that same hotline is the one that's in the back uh, the 1877 number um, you could call this number and make an appointment with them. In the media, I've heard um, a lot of people who have um, who are seeing their regular doctor are no longer going to be able to see their doctor um, once the implementation starts. Um, why are some of the doctors no longer um, are seeing um, seeing their patients under the new law if the insurance is supposed to be the same? Some of that can just be political. <laughs> um, I, I, that, that's a tough question to answer uh, uh, as far as to make a blanket statement about why doctors are seeing their patients. Um, but I know uh, some of the unique things that are going on in Maryland are um, 
a lot of really exciting efforts to increase uh, provider participation in the Medicaid program through Lieutenant Governor Anthony Brown's Health Enterprise Zones Initiative, which is going, there's one right here in West Baltimore. Um, there's also been the patient-centered medical home pilot. The, there, there's a lot of money and, and interest and energy here in Maryland to really make that um, not a problem. Uh, so as, as much as you know, some of that's out of our control. We really encourage you to keep having these conversations with your doctor and um, and keep that going. Yeah. And related to uh, some of the other media, uh, the government shutdown does not affect rollout of uh, the Affordable Care Act here in Maryland. Uh, even if uh, it was completely defunded, we uh, have taken advantage of all the federal opportunities <laughs> for funding up until this point that have put us in a position to be able to launch our exchange, which is completely state-funded now at this point, um, to, to, to do that. So uh, people shouldn't worry that this is going to be the rug taken out from under them. We're in a really good place here in Maryland. With employer-sponsored plans, the way they work now, you can have a choice to get it taken out of your paycheck sort of pre-tax or post-tax dollars, which gives you an added bonus of extra money you see in your paycheck. If you go to, if you get health care through the Maryland Exchange, can you get it pre-tax? Like, can you set it up so that it goes through your employer and they take it out of your pre-tax dollars from your paycheck? Or is it strictly post-tax? I, I I don't feel qualified to answer that question, but I do uh, feel qualified to let you know that you wouldn't qualify for tax credits to purchase health insurance in the Maryland Health Connection if you have an employer offer of health insurance. So uh, you'd be paying for it all all on your own, whereas if you have employer-sponsored health insurance, you're going to have that match. So. So an employer may uh, choose to offer health insurance through the Maryland Health Connection. Um, Small businesses can take advantage of um, a larger buying pool uh, and offer their employees a wider range of options. They could say you can have any plan available from this insurance company or any plan at this tiered level when it was talking about that in the video of bronze, silver, gold, platinum. Um, So each employee could figure out you know, if I'm a younger, healthier employee and I just want the basic plan, you can still take advantage of your employer benefits through that. Or if I want the platinum plan, you know, you're not going to have an entire workforce where one size fits all, right? So this is a way to try to make it easier for smaller companies to to, uh, take advantage of that and make it a bit more administratively uh, easier for those small businesses and uh, more affordable as well. So that that could be an option, um, but you'd have to talk with uh, someone at the Maryland Health Connection. So we're coming to the end of our hour. Um, Let's thank Suzanne for joining us this evening. Please be sure to take information, including uh, Suzanne's business cards, with you today. Um, You can come to the library or call us, and and we'll do our best to answer your questions. Um, Obviously, there's a number of agencies and organizations that you can also connect with who will have information for you. And uh, we hope that we see you here at the library again soon. Thank you very much. Thank you.